to the verse, fellow Zeros. Thanks for tuning in to Zeros Talking Heroes, the podcast that aims to misbehave. I knew it. I knew it. Nice. <laughs> <sighs> uh, I'm your Captain Joe, and I brought with me one other independent, and his name is Corey. I'll give my honorable mention. Uh, <laughs> the podcast is the leaf on the wind. Watch us as we soar. But no, my actual bet was the correct one. I, I won this week. This makes me so happy. I had a feeling. Oh, I should give uh, I should give the other guys bets, too. I'm sorry. Oh, they put bets in? They did. Sequel put one in. Uh, Sequel said the podcast that left their sword at home, which Pam heard and was like, I'm so sorry you lost this week. Because she was convinced that was the one. Um, I don't remember when that happens. but It's literally the, like the first three minutes of the movie. Oh, right, yep, yep, okay. And, uh, Matthew... That's why sequel footage is so early. Yeah. Uh, and Matt said, the podcast that could stand to hear a little more. That's not a bad one. It isn't. Then again, no quote is bad. So we're here to talk to you about the movie Serenity. But first, we've watched things that aren't Serenity, and let's let you know what those things are. Corey, what'd you watch? One half second, I'm so sorry. I'm just very excited about winning the bet, so I texted my wife. <laughs> she's also a huge Serenity fan, to be fair. To be fair. She's the one that got me on to Firefly. So she'll be very happy I won this one. That makes sense. Um, what have I been watching? We actually have a couple weeks worth of what have you been watching to do, because we didn't do one last week, so I have a couple from last week. Okay. I don't have too many new ones, though, from this week. Um, I watched Split, finally. I still have yet to watch that. I really need to before next week. Yeah, um, four days, isn't it, this weekend? Yep. So you have until this weekend to watch it. Uh, so I watched Split a couple weeks ago. I had to sit down and make uh, Pam watch Unbreakable now. But she says she hasn't seen it. But Split was very good. I uh, won't spoil it for you because you haven't seen it yet. Appreciate it. Uh, what I will say is that McAvoy's performance in it is stunning. I mean, he has to be, like, 24 different people, so... Yes, and I think that the biggest, biggest letdown of the whole thing is that you don't get to see all 23 that much. Oh, that's fair. He probably has, like, four main, four or five main ones. It, that's exactly it. I mean, yeah. three, really. Um, mm-hmm. Three main ones that we see, and then two or, like, two other ones that we kind of see here or there. Um... That makes sense, just for time. For sure. I mean, you can't you can't go into you can't really go <laughs> into twenty three different personalities. But there was one moment where you see a lot of them in quick succession, and that moment is honestly brilliance on screen. And I can't wait for you to see it so that we can talk about it because it's awesome. Uh, I watched. On that. Yes, definitely. I watched The Greatest Showman. Okay, right. Uh, there are two types of films that I really don't like. Animated films and musicals. That being said, The Grey Showman actually is a really, really good movie. And I f- feel like all musicals have that super, like, predictable, like, music sound. Like, when I think of musicals, I think of, like, Grease, and I feel like every musical I've ever seen has that type of music in it. <laughs> every every musical is just Grease. Kinda, yeah. Or at least <laughs> has, like, that very, like, Broadway style to it. Okay, yeah. Um, usually they do. Usually they do. And I don't think The Greatest Showman doesn't have that, but I feel like they 
they struck a, a specific chord in the music that like really stuck with me. Like I, I was getting chills watching the songs play out, and I mean, there's a lot of them. Like it's hard to get into a plot of a movie and to really follow a movie when they're stopping every other scene to do another musical yeah. number, which is what they do in this movie. The thing that I don't like about musicals usually is that part of the plot you have to grasp grasp through the songs. Yes. I don't particularly care for that. No, I, I'm the same way, and and it definitely happens in The Greatest Showman. They do make it a little easier because of the emotional weight to a number of the songs. Um, it's not hard. Like I could hear these songs being on the radio as like the inspirational like "Love Yourself," "Be You" type songs. Okay. Um, and they kind of have that, that soul to them too. And, you know, that's what makes sense in, in the context of the movie itself. I mean, the performances in it were pretty, pretty stellar, honestly. Um, I don't know anyone in it other than Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman's in it. Zach Efron's in it. Um, MJ's in it. MJ from... From Spider-Man? From the new Spider-Man. Okay. Um, yeah, new MJ, as we... I guess we'll call her. I forget the actress's name. I don't remember her name yeah. either. She's in it. Beyond that, there's really no other super big names that I can think of. A couple other faces that you would definitely recognize. His wife is is a pretty big actress, and I can't remember who it is. But yeah, that's, you know, it was good. I don't, even if you don't like musicals, I think it might be worth, worth a watch. I saw Bird Box. All right, and how is that? Because I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to, I might watch it, but, but, not for a while. A quiet place with a different sense. So that's okay. So about what I thought. Yeah, it's it's not as good as a quiet place, which doesn't necessarily shock me. That's, quiet place was it's fucking, hard to be as good as a quiet place. Yeah, was. A quiet place was pretty much brilliant. Uh, it's good. It, it's still good. It's still enjoyable. Uh, Sandra Bullock is stunning in it. Okay. But the other acting performances are kind of blasé, and there are some other pretty well-known names in that movie where, like, they're... You know, John Malkovich is in it. Should... He should have... I personally think that he could have given a better performance. I think sequel said that those are the only parts of the movie that were interesting to him were when John Malkovich was on screen. They... I mean, I would say that they are the more interesting parts of the movie, but I just don't... I, I don't think his performance was that great. So you don't buy it as much. Okay. I don't buy it as much. I mean, it... it, it those are the more interesting parts. Sequel's definitely right there. It's just... I've seen what he can do, and I don't think he was pulling out all the stops. He wasn't all John Malkovich. Exactly. There's one other face that's super familiar to me, and I can't... Oh, you know who he is? I'm sure he's been in other things, but the Commodore, um, or the head of the East India Trading Company in the later uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Uh, You're not going to get a lot of help from me on this one. I've seen the first Pirates and... Well, and the second Pirates. (laughs) See... If it's after the second one, I don't know who I that is. I actually don't think he's in. <laughs> His name is Tom Hollander. Tom Hollander. That's not true to say Tom Hollander. I was like, you know who that is. Yeah, no, Tom Hollander. Uh, he was actually in Bohemian Rhapsody, apparently. Okay, is he one of the guys in the band? I don't know. I, I didn't know he was in Bohemian Rhapsody. Did I watch anything else new? I talked about Nailed It before, but that's I watched a couple episodes of that. There's a person in this... Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but there's a person no, that called Machine Gun Kelly. Like, that's their name. Yeah, it's a rapper. That's it's, crazy. Well, technically, it's a stage name. Machine Gun Kelly is a... Well, yeah, but that's the name they're credited as in the movie. So. 
That's amazing. His big claim of fame apparently is Pride and Prejudice. Sure. Blue Pirates of the Caribbean is cut by Beckett. He's in the new Mowgli movie. He's Jim Beach. Oh, he's the um. You could uh, do this. The lawyer. In Bohemian Rhapsody. He's the lawyer. Oh, okay. He's the band's lawyer in Bohemian Rhapsody. Gotcha. That's who he is. Okay. A uh, B.D. Wong's in this in Bird Box. The professor from Jurassic World and Jurassic Park, the original. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he is. And the guy from SVU. So, I said Bird Box. Oh, you know what else I watched? I watched the new, um, I guess it's really not new anymore, but the most recent uh, Tomb Raider movie. Okay. The, re- the reboot. The one that, the one that came out last year? Yeah, last year, two years ago, something like that. I don't remember what year it came out. I think it was last year. Yeah. It was um, not good. As most video game movies aren't. Correct. Is it better than Angelina Jolie's ones? Yes. I don't think I ever saw those. Or that's how bad they were. More than 20 minutes of it. And that, that tells you exactly how bad they were, Joe. Cool. Yeah. It, it wasn't It wasn't a great movie. Um, if, it, if it's on television and you have chores to do and you just want something on in the background, I think it would work as a pretty solid background movie, but it's definitely not something to sit down and like try to watch it and enjoy and understand. So I'm never seeing it because that's the only way I watch movies. Yeah, no, it's really not worth your time. <laughs> I'm not a background watcher. That's fair. What about you, Joe? What have you been watching? I watched a couple of things. Ooh, tell me more, tell me more. He has a car. <laughs> Since we talked about musicals a minute yeah. ago. That's fair. So, I mean, just to throw back to last week we didn't get to talk about, the only thing I can remember was I saw Vice, which was a very technically well-made movie. It's really weird. I'm never seeing it again. The new the new movie Vice, right? Yes. I feel like there's got to be more than one movie named Vice, right? Maybe? I mean, there's Miami know. Vice, but that's clearly not the same movie. This is the know. movie that's about this is Dick Cheney. Di- <clears throat> yeah, this is the Dick Cheney movie with Christian Bale in it. Christian Bale's amazing as Dick Cheney. He should definitely be in the running for the award. But the movie itself is just... Uh, it's kind of boring. I mean, politics aren't my thing, but I was pumped to see this one from the trailer because I like a good biopic. This one's really weird. It jumps around a lot. It breaks the fourth wall. It's just a really weird way to tell this story. I wonder if it's going to feel... Or I should say, I wonder if this is going to be like the style of... That's going to be the style of biopics for the... Um, I hope not. For that Elton John one that's coming out. I, I hope that one's good, because I really like Taron Egerton, so yeah. I'm hoping that that movie is good. Yeah, but it seems like it might be weird and kind of do those type of things. Like, weird is okay, it's the, it's the stylistic choices that I think the director made. Okay. Like, the whole breaking the fourth wall thing is very weird, and it, it's hard to follow. Parts of it feel like one of those car commercials, where, like, they have oh, the people yeah. in the room with the test group. Oh, God, it's just weird. It's weird. So that's Vice. Uh, you know, if that's your thing, check it out. I watched the Grand Budapest Hotel. I've never seen that movie before. I don't think I ever watched it straight through. I feel like I probably have seen all of it at this point, but don't think I ever watched it straight through. I don't think that movie. I don't know. I've heard that Wes. I'm not that well versed in Wes Anderson movies. I hear that they they're kind of weird. They are kind of weird. He he has a style, and it's that weird. I've noticed it is a weird weird style. This one I enjoyed. I don't think I've heard some of his other movies are much funnier. Yeah. Like, I've heard Bottle Rocket and Rushmore are very funny movies. I never watched Bottle Rocket. Neither have I. Rushmore is one of my favorite movies. 
I've seen parts of Rushmore, so one day I'm going to actually watch the entire thing. It was it was the first movie. I think it was the first film I ever watched that was film a film made for people who enjoy cinema. I feel like so many films out there are just meant for like the masses, and then there are certain movies that are literally meant for people that enjoy technical the technical side of things. Like then they can get weird and absurd with it. Um, and it'd still be, like, a technically brilliant movie, and I think Rushmore was the first one of those I had ever seen. Uh, I love, love Rushmore. So that's probably Wes Anderson's kind of style, because I hear a lot of his movies are very niche. Very niche, yeah. I heard Isle of Dogs was not beloved by a lot of people. Yeah, his his movies are great for people who know and like movies, and... John and Jane person that's just going to have a fun afternoon at the movies is probably not gonna really dig it. And even and even then, like hardcore movie buffs probably might not like his style. I just happen to. I'll let you know how I feel about his style after seeing more movies. I've only seen part of Rushmore and part of Royal Tenenbaums. Gotta watch uh, Life Aquatica too. That's okay, another one. that's another good. That's one. uh the Bill Murray Scarlett Johansson. No, that's Lost in Translation. Yeah, it definitely is Bill Murray. But I, I know it has Bill Murray, because I remember seeing him with the hat on in the boat. And he's in just about every Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> yeah. So many cameos in this. But that's that's the Grand Budapest Hotel. I started, I well, I guess I'll finish with movies first and then go into show. I watched The Emperor's New Groove. I've never seen that before. That was a girlfriend selection. Did you enjoy it? It was fine. I enjoyed it fine. I, I've heard it, people think it's really funny. I didn't think it was really funny. When I was a kid, I thought it was really funny. That makes sense. 31-year-old me didn't think it was super funny. But I can get where people would laugh at it. I can get where kids would be like, oh, he fell down. <laughs> I think that... Oh, God, what's his name? Crunk. Crunk. Crunk is definitely the funniest part of that movie for me. That is what I've heard from almost everyone who's told me anything about this movie. Yep. His... And it's the dumb little things like talking to the squirrels. Like that, that talking to the squirrel moment. I... Thought that was hysterical when I was a kid, and I wasn't even that much of a kid when it came out. It probably came out in two thousand and four. Yeah, I get it. Like some of, some of them were, some of the movies very entertaining, and then I started watching something that I think is much funnier than that and kind of brilliant. I started watching BoJack Horseman on Netflix. I've heard really funny things about it. It's such a, like it's really good from a plot standpoint, and then they pepper in jokes. Some of them are obvious, and some of them are very subtle. Like, there's always a banner hanging in the background with something really funny written on it. Or, like, in an episode, he brought he brought an elephant home from, like, the their version of Home Depot to work on something, and his girlfriend comes in and is like, alright, so the elephant in the room, he's like, wow! <laughs> really? Wow. And then he leaves the room, and Bojack's like, he's never gonna forget that. <laughs> like, the... The writing in this is brilliant, and the performances are really cool. Who, who plays Bojack? It's uh, Will Arnett. Okay. Will Arnett, and then it's got Aaron Paul as his roommate. Oh. Which, I've never thought Aaron Paul was a very good actor, or at least not sure, because I've seen him in Breaking Bad. That's and then it. every movie I've seen him in... Well, actually, I haven't seen him in... I don't think I've seen him really in anything other movies, than... I've seen him in anything other than Breaking Bad. I think he's just been in bad movies. Like, he's in that Need for Speed movie. Oh, that's right. I didn't see that bullshit. I wasn't inspired to see that at all. I think he's... He's, on that, really he's small... in that vitamin water commercial that I like. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a really, I think he has a really small cameo in Van Wilder. 
Oh. Where he calls him the raddest fucking dude alive. I think that's Aaron Paul. But I'm, yeah, so I wasn't sure if, how I feel about him being a voice actor in the show, but he's really good. Everyone in the show is very good. I highly recommend it if you like comedy and good writing. It's got like five seasons now on Netflix. So he was, you know what Aaron Paul was in? What? Uh, he was in that, he, I don't know if it was supposed to be a miniseries or if they pulled the plug on it, but it was called The Path. Don't remember hearing about that. Yeah, he, he like played like a, essentially like, it, it was about some new religion and he became a, like the messiah of it, from from what I gathered. And yes, he is the guy in Van Wilder. Yes. He apparently is also in Central Intelligence. Oh yeah, he he is definitely in Central Intelligence. I forgot. Shit, so the last house on the left, I've seen that before. Is he listed as party guy or party dude in Van Wilder? I don't know. I just Googled it and I'm looking at his movies. Oh, okay. It doesn't tell me what his thing is. It's not IMDb. Damn it. He was in Mission Impossible 3. Apparently Aaron Paul has been in the background of all movies. <laughs> We've just never noticed before. You just never noticed it until now. But he has like a semi-decent role in Central Intelligence. I'm surprised I forgot about that. And that is what we've been watching. Let's do the movie facts for Serenity. Serenity came out in 2005. It's rated PG-13, and it's one hour and 59 minutes long. Director, we've we've done a couple of his things. Well, he only has a couple of things, but we've done them. And his name is Joss Whedon. He's directed The Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron. In Joss Whedon's defense, most of his work is television, which we have not done. It sure is. Including... His television credits yeah. are probably ridiculously long. Well, for directing, he only has, like, 13 credits. Okay. But he's involved as, like, a producer and a writer and probably so many things. Serenity stars Nathan Fillion, Gina Torres, Alan Tudyk, Marina Bakarin, Adam Baldwin, Jewel State, or Stey... I don't know. I've never known how to... Stady. Stady? It is Stady. Cool. Thank you. Sean Maher, or Maher, Summer Glau, Ron Glass, Chiwetel Ejiofor... Good job. Thank you. I looked it up before this. And David Krumholtz. The budget for the movie was $39 million, and it came so close. It grossed $38.8 million. If we round up, we're going to give it to him. We're going to round up and give it to him. But we are. Is it, wait, so wait, wait. Close. Here's the bigger question. Is it the, was it theatrically released? Yeah. I, and that's I what saw it made, this in theaters. And that's what it made in theaters? Mm-hmm. It's, it's made its money. Well, definitely. And sales and Syndication. Netflix rights and stuff like yeah. that. But man, you hate to see that. Yeah, you hate it's to see it. It's so that. close. That's like that's like a double doink in a Chicago Bears playoff game, am I right? Yeah, it was a triple doink, actually. Was it a triple doink? Well, because somebody tipped it, I think. That's true, yeah. Somebody did tip it. <laughs> Sports reference. Because all of our long-term listeners really love sports. <laughs> we know you do. Stop glaring at us. Don't turn this off. Please we don't. haven't talked about serenity yet. Yeah, please don't. The scores for the movie, Rotten Tomatoes coming in at an 83%. You know what? Because sequel's not here, I'm going to say, for this one, Certified Shiny. Why didn't I think of that? I don't know. Do you want to say it? Nope. Are you sure? Yep, you said it. And I'm happy with it. Okay. Audience score, 91%. That makes perfect fucking sense. There's lots of Firefly fans out there. Yes, we are. IMDb, 7.9 out of 10. Metacritic... With a surprisingly high score of 74, and use a score of 8.4. Yeah. All in the same ballpark. For sure. And those are the movie facts for Serenity. Let's let you know our spoiler-free thoughts before we get into all the spoiler stuff with the movie. Corey, what did you think about this movie that you've totally never seen, like, 20 times before? 
Correct. Definitely have not watched it 20 times. It's closer to 42. How many times, how many times conservatively would you guess that you've actually watched this movie? I would actually conservatively say I've watched this movie 20 times. Okay. Nice. At minimum. I, I, that's, like I said, that's a low ball. There was a long stretch of time in college where some manner of Firefly is just what I would put on as I was going to bed. So I'd throw on a random episode, or I'd throw this on, and that months, months on end, where I'd watch them so many times that, you know, you could fall asleep to them. There's always that, like, there's a couple movies that you always fall asleep to. Did you ever have Serenity-themed dreams, or Firefly-themed dreams? For sure. That's awesome. Definitely. I wish that was a phenomenon that worked with my brain. Yeah, no, I've definitely had those a couple times. Um, Sorry to distract you. No, no, it's okay, it's okay. So, yeah, I've, I've seen, I've, I've physically turned this movie on. A lot of times. I mean, just this week, getting prepped for this episode, I watched it three times. I fell asleep. You're welcome, Internet. Corey yeah. preps hard for serenity. I do. And the irony was, I looked at my wife and I was like, Pam, you have to watch this week's movie with me. Um, it's a little thing on Netflix called Serenity. And she's like, oh yeah, because you couldn't just walk in there and just know all of the things about Serenity. I was like, yeah, I could. I could do that. I'm not going to. Not going to deprive myself a chance to watch this movie again for a reason. So, so that being said, how do you feel about? It? <laughs> I fucking love this movie. The saddest part about this movie, or I should say, the worst part about this movie, is that to quote Ron Swanson, it is the punctuation mark on a sentence that has already been written. There is no coming back. It is the story Joss wanted to tell to close out. The, fi- the 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 Firefly legacy. So it, it, it holds a very special place in my heart because it's the one of those few rare moments where a fan base affects what happens in the future of a franchise. Yeah, they got this movie made. They got this movie made, and we did the impossible, and that makes us mighty. To quote Malcolm Reynolds from the show, not the movie. Correct. Yeah, but... Neither here nor there. I, I really, really enjoy this movie. I found a hard time finding anything that I wanted to gripe about. Just just lovely, lovely movie from top to bottom. What about you, Joe? I mean, I also really enjoy this movie. As someone who enjoyed Firefly, I think this is the third time I've seen this movie. So it was nice because I haven't seen it in a while, so I didn't remember everything that happened. So I got to relive those moments be like, wait, what happens now? I forget. I'm just going to watch it. Yeah. So it's it's good. It's a very good movie if you like Firefly. I tried to watch it from the perspective of someone who had never seen Firefly. Yeah. To see if it would work for someone like because sequels never seen Firefly. We're disappointed he was not here today because he was going to be able to provide that aspect of it. Spoiler spoiler alert! I think I am actually going to ask take a couple minutes out of next episode and ask sequel those things. I hope he finishes the movie. Yeah, me too. Because I, I'm really, really I. I think sequel will. I think sequel's that type of movie fan anyways, where he'll eventually want to watch the rest of it. I doubt he got, like, halfway through it and just said, fuck this movie, I'm shutting this off. Yeah. It's not so, that kind of movie. No, it's not. So I'm, I'm interested to see, see how he feels about it, because, again, he hasn't seen it, so it's a super interesting hot take. This got really sidetracked, but it's I think it's a very good movie. There are some noticeable flaws just from a movie-making standpoint. That a lot of people, because of their fans of the series, are willing to forgive. The characters line up with how they would in the series. 
If you've never seen the series, you wouldn't know that. So I think it's still... I think it personally works as a movie by itself. I saw the movie before I saw Firefly. Like, I had a friend going to see it in theaters. He asked me if I wanted to go. I said, sure. So I went and saw it. I liked it. And then I watched Firefly. So that was cool. The one thing I will say before we get into spoilers, because I can do this without specifics, Chiwetel Ejiofor is amazing in this movie. Yes. Yes, he is. Like, I knew everyone else's acting ability because I knew their characters going in, but he watching it this time, he's so good. And I'm not even going to tell you what role he plays, but he's so good in this movie. Trust me, we'll get there in a couple yeah. minutes. You're right. He is... Be- it's a beautiful, beautiful performance. All right, and those are our spoiler-free thoughts. From here on out, we're going to be spoiling Serenity. If you've never seen Serenity, it is available on Netflix if you have a subscription to that at least in the U.S. Check it out, and then you'll know what the hell we're talking about if you've never seen the movie. Spoilers for Serenity starting right now. I think that one of the reasons that this movie might be able to hold up as an independent thing where you don't necessarily have needed to see the show starts off from the very from the very first scene of this movie. Them going in and showing us the heist that breaks River Tam out of... That we never saw in the show. We never did. So that's new information for everyone. It is new information for everyone, but it's also information that technically we had, right? So the show is a good bit about the fact that the Alliance, which is the big bad government organization, wanting to find, track down and find this girl River Tam, who her brother broke out of, like, a high security, like high-security military prison. Yeah, rather than exposition that to us and have somebody tell us about it, they just show us Simon Breaking River out. Yes. Which and is good for the new audience. Yeah, and it was a cool scene. Yeah. Um, he, You can tell a couple of the things that Joss did with Serenity that he didn't do with Firefly is just he doesn't shy away from bumping up some of, like, the cool tech that you get to see, some of the cool futuristic sci-fi-y things. He had more of a budget for this, so it makes sense. Exactly, <laughs> that's what I mean. Having a $38 million budget, he, he was capable of doing these things, and that, to me, was was awesome to see. To see, I, I think, more closely what Joss Whedon had in mind when he started making the show. Yeah, for sure. There, there were really cool things that they have in this yeah. movie. And the whole this bandage thing, the whole computers, just they got, everything got upgraded. Yeah, they and you know what? I mean, they this this movie has Joss Whedon's fingerprints all over it. Oh, for sure. I talk about I talked about it when we did Avengers, where I'm like the the way that they do the camera angles when things are flying through the air. I mean, that is so Joss Whedon. I say that those shots are Joss Whedon because I saw them in Serenity. I guess is is like. Serenity was his chance to, to mess around with this type of stuff, because it got spaceships flying through. It was his first movie. Yeah. And, and But he's also a thing where spaceships are flying, yep. so it makes perfect sense. So he has a really cool way of, of showing us that stuff, and I, I love the angles that he gets there. He's also one of the first people to appropriately use sound in space. Most television shows, there's, like, if a spaceship is, like, whizzing by you in space, you hear the engines roar. There's no sound in the vacuum of space. When Joss Whedon puts Serenity in space, it is dead silent. There's no sound. That's true. You only hear the ships on the planets. 
Yep, you only hear the ships on the planets. You do, and I don't know if they remastered the sound when they put it back up on Netflix, but I caught so many little extra, like, side conversations, especially in, like, the first sequence on Serenity. So for those of you that don't know, Serenity is the actual ship that they're, they're, they're flying on. Sure is. He shoots the Reaver ship after leaving Miranda. It's the only time that there's really any sound in space. Yeah. But it's sound that's muffled because it's inside of... It's what he hears inside of his helmet outside the ship as he's firing the cannon. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a cool touch. And it's probably, it was probably very clear in the theater, but I've only ever watched it on DVD because it's never had, you know. I don't remember in the theater what it was like. Yeah. I don't remember specifics like that. Makes sense. It came out in 2005. Yep. <laughs> it was 14 years ago. It was before I left high school. You weren't a member of our New York community yet. I was not. It would be it would be almost five years till I even watched Serenity or Firefly. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, me and Pam started dating in... What was I saying a second ago? Oh, yeah, so I don't think I started dating Pam until 2010, 6. No, that can't be right. That makes sense. You said she yeah. introduced you to it, so, yep. Yeah, no, no. Okay. It must have been 2010. Must have been. And she introduced me to it, so, yeah. I mean, I've, I fell in love with it quick. Watching the show, though, I think it took me to episode 3 or 4 to really get into it. But once I ground th- grinded through the first three... Yeah, the pilot's really slow, because yeah. it's, like, double length. It's double length, and it's not all that spectacular. Uh, the show picks up about halfway through. It just it gets really good just to let you have a few episodes and then end. Yeah, for real. It's like, fuck. You know what's crazy, though? I've gone back... I mean, obviously, I've watched this movie so many times. I've watched Firefly equally as many times. I would have imagined so. Yeah, um... The first couple episodes get really good. Once you've seen them before and, like, you're kind of just watching it to enjoy it. And I also think that because there's only 13 episodes, I savor every... Oh, you have to. ...minute yeah, of it. You pick up a new thing every time. Yeah, it's great. Right around episode five, I think five or six is Janestown. By the time you get to Janestown, Janestown. if you're not in love with the show by the time you get to Janestown, the show's just not for you. It's just not. For the mutters. <laughs> for me! <laughs> Jane! Oh, the folk song. Jane! It's, it's, Alright, we're talking about the Firefly TV show, which... I'm sorry, I'll Some get people back. don't know. Yes, it's true. Um, you should watch it if you don't know. Yeah. So then the movie starts off in earnest uh, with a heist, which is right in... That's their bread and butter. It's right in their bread and butter. It, the first time you see Serenity, the ship, some a, a crucial piece falls off of it, which again is so indicative of how... Serenity was run and maintained. It's a space western, and then first you see space, and then you literally see something out of a western. Yes! In a one-horse town. The only thing missing from this town is the literal tumbleweed. Yeah. And the horses, technically speaking. They use a mule, which is a hovercraft. But beyond that, I mean, you know, to give a... a, Not to get too, too deep into the weeds about the Firefly lore... For the couple of you guys that may not have seen it yet, you know, it, like Joe described it as a space western. That's how Joss Whedon describes it. You know, you get to these small planets, and it's essentially the old west. So, the way that they dress, the way that the towns look, the way that people act, all super western with a high tech sci fi flair on it. And, and I think that those two like contradictory things blend and meld really well in this universe that Joss created. 
Those two genres that kind of tend to match up well. Yeah. But now we finally got to see them match up well, I think, is, I guess, the the best part. Yeah. Like, to me, there are two kinds of sci-fi. There's futuristic sci-fi, which is, I mean, this kind of is with all the tech. And then there's not modern, but like a past sci-fi, like like an olden time sci-fi. It's yeah. almost like steampunk, but not really. Sure. Because they blend the elements so well. With the Western, you have all the past stuff, and you they have, like, revolvers instead of laser guns. Yeah. And even, like, even Malcolm Reynolds, who's Nathan Fillion's character, and that's the lead, his his gun looks futuristic-y, but also has, like, like a six-shooter, yeah. like, appeal to it. I think it is actually a six-shooter, at least it certainly looks like it's, one. It does look like one, but it, it, it has just a future looking appeal to it, I guess. Uh, God, it, it's, it's the, the heist goes relatively well. All yeah, things considered. Till the Reavers. Till the Reavers show up, which is one of the two bad guys that we get in this movie. Yeah, I guess collectively the Reavers would be. Yeah. Because they are. They're, they're always an antagonist. They're at the series, they're at this movie. Why would anything else change? For sure. Um, I think that Joss, Joss had to make a, a couple of pretty pivotal choices when deciding what to and not to introduce into Serenity. I think he knew that he needed to get as much in as he could because it was going to be the Firefly Swan song. But he, but he could also, I mean, the show you have so many more and different villains because it's a television show and you think it's going to go on potentially five, six, seven seasons where you could... Yeah, television show you got the monster of the week as opposed to this one you need the big bad. Yeah, you needed, you needed the big bad, but... He created a world where a couple of these big bads would have been reoccurring monsters in his show universe, and he gave us a good bit of both. He gives us the Reavers, enough of the Reavers, and... The Reavers are like the underlying, constantly there threat. They're the threat at the back of everyone's mind. They're Mm -hmm. like, this guy's evil, but God, I hope the Reavers don't take me. Yes. This will be the worst thing ever. Exactly. And... Then it turns, and then he turns the whole thing, the whole situation on its head when you find out that the other big bad, the government, the big oppressive government, is the one that created the Reavers, almost making you feel bad for them to some minor extent. I mean, you feel bad for the scientist in the recording. At least oh, I did. Oh, yeah, that's, that's brutal. That's a brutal, brutal scene. And you don't even see it. No. You just get to listen to it. Might be worse. Yeah, because then you get to imagine everything. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, there there's so many things that I think when Firefly ended, people had five, six, seven big questions that they really wanted answered, and I think Joss does a really good job at answering all of them. How did what, what's wrong with River Tam? What is like we know that like she had her brain cut open, blah 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 blah. blah. The Alliance did experiments on her, and she became, like, a psychic. Like... And now I guess we know what... Now we know why they want her back so bad, or yeah, found so we, bad. They, we know why they want her found so bad. We know what broke up her brain, technically. Kind of. Well, that's what that's what they're suggesting. They're suggesting that this memory, this knowledge of Miranda, is what fried her brain. So, we find out what it was that, that messed her up in the head... We know what she knows that 
makes the Alliance want to go after. We know a little bit more about the Alliance as a whole. And we know the backstory of the Reavers. Like, those are... If I knew... If I got no more information... No, that's the big one. Those the, are the biggies. The, the creation... Like, I'm not going to call it a myth, because obviously in the show it actually happened. But, yeah. like, the creation lore of the Reavers. Yeah. And that was Yeah, that was definitely the big one. And we got it. We We got exactly what we wanted out of that. And, you know... Kudos to being able to tell such a complex story and answering so many different things and tying up so many different storylines in just under two hours. Not an easy, not an easy. Uh, very, ask. very ambitious. Very ambitious, and he pulls it off. He, he, you know, he had to cut a few corners here and there to fit it into a normal movie length runtime, but overall, he's successful. Yeah, for sure. There's a good. There's a good balance of funny and drama. There's a, there's a pretty... At least I think so. There usually is. Yeah. I mean, that's another one of a Josh staple is that even his more serious stuff always has some com- some good comic relief in it. Um, this is no exception. One of my gripes about the movie as a whole is that the decent chunk of the characters do not have a lot to do. Yeah, that's fair. The story is mostly Mal and River, and that's, that's kind pretty of much it. it. Yeah. yeah, and then the operative, which we'll talk about in a second, is just like Wash and Zoe, and they're there, but they're not. They're there. Jane's there, but Jane has one has one moment that actually, I... yeah, Jane Jane gets a decent characterization at least in the movie. Yeah, well, I mean, he's without so... having to rely on the Firefly backdrop. For sure. I mean, one of the... He's aggressive, and he he's always been the one guy on the ship that has no issue speaking his mind and, and pushing back against Mal yeah. and doing what he thinks is best is right for him. And the one willing to initiate that power struggle. Yeah. And, and you, you, you need that. You need that You want that a captain drama. this ship? Yeah. Well, you, you can't. <laughs> and again, like, that's one of the more dramatic moments in this movie... Or, or leading into probably the most dramatic mo- like moment in this movie, and you and you've you know it, it's it's this tense moment of like power struggle between captain and a crew member, and the captain's response is, "I didn't expect you to say yes." <laughs> it was it was good, it, like it, it it broke it up just enough to again punch me in the gut. The next scene, mo- mere moments later. Yeah, and then it's like, it takes a really dark turn because Jane's willing to go shoot River. Yes. And they kind of gloss over that. They kind of forgive and forget about that a little quick for my taste. And <laughs> like yeah. I, I get it that he's a survivalist, but everyone seems to have kind of just overlooked that part. It's weird because, so our understanding, right, based off of one line of dialogue that you know, blink and you miss it, they've been on the ship for six months. And we see the first month, I guess, during the actual course of the 13 episodes of Firefly that we see. Sure. Let's call it a month. Something like that. Some some period of time. Some period of time. But it can't be that long because he's only been on the ship for six months. Six months you've had her on my boat knowing she's a ticking time bomb is the exact line. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they've only been there for six months. Well, Simon and River, yeah. They've been a crew together longer. Yes, yes. Jane's been there longer. Yeah. But I'm talking about... But this all revolves around River. So yes, I'm yes. talking about that. So not all that long ago, 
depending on how the timing worked, he almost sold her out to the Alliance. Yeah. That's that's not Pat. That's not ancient history here. We're not talking years later. We're talking not long after the events of of Firefly. So. Jane being so willing to... I think there's also an episode in Firefly. That's what we're talking that's about. That's what we're right? talking about. Okay, yeah. the, me- the, the medical heist. Yep. The medicine heist. He, he actively tries to sell River. Yeah. No, it's, it's a really uh, it's a weird dynamic they have. I guess loyalty within the crew, sort yeah. of. It's, it's, it's still... Oh, it's just Jane being Jane. Yeah, I mean, it still has this pirate heist, outlaw cowboy side to it, where the crew's never going to be perfect and... It's, it's a very... Complex, interesting situation to navigate. Yes. Pun intended, because... Because ships navigate. Ships navigate. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... Chiwetel Ejiofor oh is the operative. God. He is stellar in this movie. He is such an intimidating, just cold, ruthless, self-aware. Well, he's not necessarily cold or... He's calculating. He's, he's, de- he's de- calculating and ruthless. Right, yeah. And he's very self-aware because he knows he's a monster. He knows the future that he is trying to create, he doesn't get to be a part of because he's so terrible. That moment in this movie changes... It, it changes your perspective on the operative. So you know the operative... Like, up to this point, you just think he's an, a, a cold, calculating operative. That moment that he he comes on the screen and says, it's not, I'm trying to create a world without sin. I'm not going to live there. I'm a monster. It changes your whole outlook on him as a person. They even hint at it earlier. Like, early on in the movie, they say that, I I think it's Zoe, I forget who it is, but they say that he's a believer. Oh, that's that's Book. That's That's Shepard. Is that Book? I thought that was uh, before they even go see Book. Well, no, because Book is explaining what the op, like, if it's not, because he says, uh, no warrants, no something broadband, no waves, which means operative. And then he goes on to explain what an operative is. Gotcha. All right, so then, yeah. But yeah, so they explain right now that he he believes in what he's doing, and that's the most dangerous type of adversary. Actually, you might be right. It might, it might be, it's not Zoe, it's, um... It's an, it's an Nara. It's a Nara. Anara says that he's a that uh, before the conversation with the book because that does happen. Right after she gets on the ship, she's like, "You don't understand what you're into, Mel." Like, he's a he's a believer. Yes, okay. In what he's doing, and then twenty min- minutes later, he burns down a, a religious settlement with children at it. He burns down he. he Basically lays waste to anyone who's ever harbored them. Yeah. Because he doesn't know which one they're at, so might as well take them all out because he's calculating. Yeah. And he even pulls out a, a, a quote that directly describes that about, like, hunting, I think, is kind of more of the hint that it's quote it leans to. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what it is, but... Me either. Not word for word. Yeah, the, the, the final line of it is, leave no, leave no ground to go to. If some animal... Quarries to ground, leave yep. no ground for it to go to. And that's, you know, that's a turning point for Mal, too, I think, because uh, Anora gets on the ship, and he has this moment with her right after the the fight with Jane, right after all, all of this tense moment, like this tense moments of trying to figure out what they're going to do next. And Anora follows him out of the room and is like, 
I, I don't have a I don't have a sail. If the wind blows northerly, I go north. And you know, you always I think the exact line is you always fog things up. Yep. And it's a really open moment. You really kind of see who the real Malcolm Reynolds is in in these little moments like that. Yeah. And they give you a hint at their relationship because obviously, if you know Firefly, you know more about it. Sure. But it's it's them using a limited time window to kind of pull in as much information for the new viewers as they can. Yeah, exactly. And then they drop breadcrumbs. Yeah, they drop breadcrumbs. So you know, it, it's this guy that's always kind of on it. And it leads you to believe that this, it's a guy who's kind of always on his feet and he's going whichever way the wind blows and he, his plans are coming at him fast and heavy. Like, he, the plan... He always got... always kind of has a plan. We'll see what big, has to change. Big fan of winging it. Big fan of winging it. And then he goes back to Shepherd Book's... The Shepherd Book hideout. Sees what happens. And then he sees what all of his other... Essentially, friends... What happened to all of his friends. And it's this moment of clarity where he's like, nope, I know exactly what we're going to do. And I hate what we're going to do. I hate that we have to do it, but we're doing it. And you don't get any internal struggle from the crew after that point. And I don't know if that was because there's not a lot of movie left and they have to make sure that they get it done. He's also like, he's now an authority figure. And that's my point. Because, like, I didn't yeah. know. And But that's the thing. Like, you could make... You can say, oh, you can write it off as, oh, they just needed to follow along because that's how the rest of the movie had to go. Or you could look at it as... He's finally... He, yeah. He has, he, like, a concrete plan yeah. as opposed to... He has a compass now. He be, has yeah. a direction. He has... He knows what he needs to do. Period. Sometimes Mal a little wishy-washy. You know, maybe yeah. the crew doesn't take him as seriously, but they know that shit is going down Yeah, in that moment. You know, and and... While it's a, a touch of an apples to orange comparison, for for those of you guys who haven't seen it yet, I would compare Malcolm Reynolds, the character, to Deadpool and Deadpool 2, where he's still sarcastic and funny and constantly cracking jokes, but there's a much deeper hurt and pain in there that comes out in... I can I can see the parallel you would do. Yeah, in, in okay. brief moments, it, you get like these super serious, deep moments, and it, 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 it shakes you to your core when you see it. In that moment, you know, you can tell when he's truly serious. Yeah. You can tell when he's truly serious, and you can... And that he's not to be trifled with in that moment. <laughs> no, he's not. But, you know, he's a guy who uses his snarky nature and his sarcastic winging nature to hide a lot of a lot of pain. And, again, if you watch the, oh, definitely. If you watch the show, it, it comes out a few, uh, enough times where you can really kind of start to follow that that depth and that complexity, and this can't do it as much, but they do it enough where it, it gives me the feels. When he when he turns off that wave mid sentence, I I it, it hits me every time. So yeah, I, I just. But ultimately, I think the best character in this movie is is the operative. I think that might be one of the best performances. Yeah, no, it's, it's super good. It, it's. Uh... And and as far as if we go all the way back to when we started having the sequel standard that we haven't gone back to in quite a while, this man lives up to the sequel standard. Yeah. In a very tech... Like, he... Yes, he's defeated, but he doesn't die. He's not gone forever. He's not even necessarily their enemy anymore at the end. No. Because he helps repair their ship because what's done... He had a mission. 
that mission is impossible to complete now to contain the secret because it's out. Yeah. So he knows that there's no point in going... He's not out for petty revenge. He's not... No, he's... He's got a job to do. Yeah. You know, him and him and him and Mal have are, are surprisingly similar in that way, where it's we've got a job. I I've got a job to do. We've got a job to do. You know, when when Mal pushes Dennis from It's Always Sunny's face off of the mule, that was that was a cold, calculating move. We have a job to do. We have to make good on our job. Granted, his was about wanting to eat, but you know, potato potato. At the end of the day, wanting to eat. You know, feed his crew. Fix his ship, because the primary buffer panel just fell off his Goram ship. All the time. And if you're not familiar with Firefly, they use... a lot of What a lot of sci-fi shows do is use swear replacement words. Yes. Like Battlestar Galactica did it. I'm having trouble thinking of another show off the cuff that does it. But a lot of shows set in space use that thing where they've blended different cultures. Also, there's a lot of Chinese spoken in Serenity. Yeah, so Josh Whedon's... And Firefly. Yeah, Josh Whedon's thought was that if the Earth became uninhabitable and you sent a bunch of ships out into space to go and populate a new planet, assuming we had that technology, the two cultures that, that the would... highest populations. Yeah, and the, so the two cultures that would survive would be American and Chinese. So there's a lot of, like, this Chinese Old West fusion stuff happening. So a lot of... Whenever you hear them speak in Mandarin, it's almost all curses. It's almost real curses from what I understand. From what I understand, he actually learned the I've curse never, I've never looked into that, so that's pretty funny. Yeah, I, I've done a lot of... I've, I've looked into it a lot, and I'm pretty sure he act, they actually use curse curse words in Mandarin. Um, and then goddamn is Goram. Yep. So do you want to, I guess, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the deaths of characters, I guess, and then we'll go into favorite, least favorite? Yeah, that makes sure. sense to me. Okay. I mean, well, Mr. Universe, we gloss over because we're introduced him to, to him in this movie. Correct. I, mean, I would have loved to. I would have loved for Firefly to have lasted much longer than it did, and have gotten Mr. Universe. Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah, I don't even know if he was a idea, an idea in Joss Whedon's mind yet, or if it was something specifically like an end. He to just, came up with when he knew he was going to do a movie. Yeah, if it was an end to justify the means for this movie, uh, very, very, very possible. But it's a cool concept character. Yeah, he's a neat little character. Every every show has to have the have the have the tech guy. And, he, and it's kind of he's such hermit. he's such like a, a a tip to the hat to like old school nerds that like have like their PC gaming room with like all six computer screens. Oh yeah, and just like so all many the tech, monitors, so many monitors. It's just he has like an actual job, which is to spread knowledge, spread knowledge, and to collect all of, collect as much of it as he can. So his hits home the least because we've barely known him. Yeah, uh, the only um, the only reason it hits home at all for me is the way it happens because he's under again talking about the operative and using using the situation to his advantage in any like if, if he needs to pay a guy off he'll pay a guy off if he needs to kill a guy he'll kill a guy if. He needs to tell a guy that he's going to pay him off to get him to do what he wants. And then kill him. And then kill him because he can't have any more loose ends. So be it. Because he couldn't leave Mr. Universe's room like that. Like No. he That had to die. Mr. Universe was going to die protecting his monitors. Like, just kill him first and do it later. Makes sense to me. So yeah, that one didn't hit home other than the fact that, again, it just plays into how ruthless the operative is. Yeah. And the other two... 
won't really hit home unless you've seen the show because, I mean, first of all, Book is barely in this movie. That's the only other thing I think we should probably talk about real quick is okay. that there's two characters in this movie that were super important in the show. In the show, that I feel like had no real need to be in the movie, but other than cameo, because people would have lost their mind. If yeah, they weren't it, in the movie. Uh, us brown coats would have absolutely lost our mind if Book wasn't in this movie or Nora wasn't in this movie. Book is the preacher that we meet, yep. in case you have only seen the movie, and Inara is the woman at the training house that Mal goes to rescue. Correct. And Book is essentially a, a way station, a hideout, and he gives he gives Mal, you know, it's the word I'm looking for. Advice? Advice is the, yeah, advice is, is essentially it, but there was a counsel, I think. Okay. I think that might be the word that they used too. He's constantly giving him advice and counsel and like... Helping him figure out his next move. And again, he runs like a little farming station with kids and they're just living a religious life with a big cannon there for some reason, I guess. But hey, apparently they needed it. I mean, it's foolish to not have any defense. Yeah, it's true. There are Reavers out there. Yeah, there are Reavers out there. So that that does make sense. Um, And he wasn't always a preacher. He was not always a preacher. Again, one of those things that could have been could have been a storyline here. That's one of the things we will never find out about this. We will never find because out because we never got to find out about it in the show, and they even say it. You have to tell me about that one day. No, I don't. And we'll never know. Yeah, we will never know. The biggest mystery of Firefly. Yeah. That is probably one of the. I mean, certainly the biggest mystery that we have left on yeah, the table. Yeah, for sure. It's crazy to think about that. That make, is the one. We need to make a prequel, Shepherd Book movie. Yes, please, God. I'd watch the shit out of that movie. So, Book's death is important for those of us who follow the show and love the show. It doesn't hit home as much if you're just watching Serenity. It's still it's still a meaningful, impactful scene, at least. It is because of his, and especially because of his last his last words. I don't care what you believe, just believe, believe in it. something. Yeah, because that's the thing that again to bring up the show. It's hard to do this movie without bringing up the show. Maybe it's a good thing sequel wasn't here. It would have been so lost by all the show references. It's true. Malcolm Reynolds is an outward atheist. Shepard Book is a preacher. They constantly butt heads about... Oil and water. Yeah, oil and water about that point. And even in the movie... They, but they do mention it a bunch in the movie. You have to have belief. I'm not looking for help from on high. All that good stuff. And then he drives that point home with his last words. It's like... it. Belief doesn't have to be about God. You just need to believe in something. And what does he end up believing in? River. Ultimately, that's what he believes in. River and also the... Destruction of the government. Well, it's just people getting to know the truth. Yeah. He's like... (laughs) In the end, (laughs) Mal's kind of like that, like, off-the-cuff, dedicated journalist who has to get to the bottom of the story and has to get it out to the masses. Yeah. Or, you know, in a more real pop culture reference, he's a little bit like Edward Snowden. He, he, sure. He has, he got information and he needs, he thought, he thought it, des- it deserved, the people deserve to know it. So in that way. True. Yeah. And then there's the death that really matters and hits home and still makes me weep when I see it happen. I hate the fact that he killed Wash. I mean, I, I get it. He, I, Joss Whedon loves to kill people. But he also had. To, he also, I think, needed needed to have this final scene have stakes. Yeah, 
Because you can't have this huge, massive battle. Because everyone else gets to survive. Yeah. Without somebody going. It's it's well done the way that he crafts it. Like, I understand. It's very... It's meaningful. It You don't see it coming at all nope. the first time you're watching this. Because it just... You think everyone's safe, and then all of a sudden the Reaver Spear thing just comes through and... And I, uh... Takes them out. One of my friends in college, he was also a big Firefly fan. At one point, we were doing something, and I turned to him like... I'm a leaf on the wind. Watch me as I soar. It's okay. I'm a leaf on the wind. What does that mean? <laughs> um, he turns to me and he's like, you know that's like telling you that he's going to die, right? I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, it's it's a, a, a leaf that that's in the wind it is dead already because it's no longer attached to the tree. There, he's, he's giving you a hint that he's about to die. Like, I hate you. I hate you so much. How dare you? <laughs> I mean, Wash in this series is hands down my favorite character. Yeah, there's yes. no there's no contest. It also makes me made me sad just how little Wash we get in the movie. He doesn't really do anything of significance other than the big landing scene. Mm-hmm. I guess it it had to make sense for how the the story went, but just man, he he does interject. He does interject his funny little two cents here and there I, I, enough that he's there enough that you remember that he's there. But yeah. I want a little yeah. bit more out of the swan song for Wash, but... Me too. Me who too. didn't? We got... We did not. Well played, Mr. Whedon, you heartless bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I talked to... I talked to a couple different people about, you know... Oh, well, the movie was a relatively big success, and more people saw the movie that hadn't watched Firefly, and... Sure, yeah. And it, and it kind of got people stoked to try to get Fox to bring it back, or somebody to pick it up, or whatever it was. And... A lot of people were out there were like, no, I mean, Joss decided that this was going to be it. And how did he really drive that point home? He kills Wash. You don't have a show, you don't have Firefly without that pilot. Like, it's not the same show. It would be like one of the late seasons of an already established show where just everyone agrees that it's gone down in quality. They're just watching just to watch it. Yeah. Like, basically, it's after Michael Scott leaves The Office. Exactly. Yes. Or Steve Carell leaves The Office, technically. Kids in point. Yeah. So, yeah, this was, this was like, you know, the nail to the heart that said, hey, this is it. This is all, all of the universe we're going to get here, because I'm not coming back without... That was him putting his final stamp on it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I respect him for doing it, but, God damn it, did you not do it in the most heartless way possible? Because it was painful. It's painful to watch. Oh, it is. It's very jarring. And I'm sure he wanted that, so well done. Mm-hmm. It's very well done for what I'm sure he wanted, but it's just... It hurts. Oh, it does. It really, it's, really It's a hurts. shocking moment. Mm-hmm. And Zoe's reaction to it is spot on for what I expect. Her oh, actions the fo- for the rest for the duration of this movie... Exactly what I expect. She's able to mostly compartmentalize except for that one moment. It gets me. It really got me when Kaylee asked, "Isn't Wash coming? Where, where's where's Wash? Wash? He's not coming." Just oh, that that one that part hurt because that part hurts because it. I don't know that Kaylee quite got it as quickly as as somebody some of the other crew did, and it took Jane, Jane of all people. 
to snap them out of it and be like, no, 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 no we got work to do. No, no, we, we don't have time for this right now. Yeah. Because Jane, Jane looks around, sees everybody, and is like, can we move these Goran boxes, please? I, I, it's, you know, it, it's, again, talking about, like, the, the family-like nature of the crew, that's Jane holding up his end of the bargain. That's Jane pulling his weight, right? It's... I mean, he's essentially the second in command. He's, like, the muscle, but he's also... Yeah. Well, Zoe's the second in command. Well, actually, that's true. But Zoe's kind of compromised right now. Yeah. So he's third in command, I guess. So. But but he understands yeah. that when... That in this situation, you need... Yeah, it's a kind of a life-or-death situation yeah. coming up, so they need to just compartmentalize. Yep. And then they address that later, obviously, with the funeral and the weird holographic tombstones. Yeah. It's, it's it's a moving picture of them, but it's not them doing anything particularly interesting or, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Not indicative of their character, but like like a signature character thing, yeah. which was just interesting. And it's kind of weird that that's just what they would do for forever until the battery runs out, or like, I, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know what kind of weird fusion they have in the yeah, future. Yeah, it was, it was weird. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird memorial. It's it's really cool looking. It's just, it raises so many science questions that I'm not smart enough to answer, or it's even true. even contemplate, really. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> have they got nine volts in those? I don't know. I, does somebody have to go back every couple months and like test the battery? I don't, I don't know. It's like a smoke detector. But this does lead to one of pretty much the one gripe I could come, I could, the one gripe I ended up having with this movie, and it's Malcolm Reynolds' refusal to learn anything. So the first time he meets the operative, he shoots him in the chest, walks out the room, and like, "I'm wearing full body armor. Don't think I'm a moron." I'm a moron. And then and he does it again. Like- <laughs> Does the exact same fucking thing, bro. Aim for the head. Even if you don't hit him, and he just ducks away, and that was your plan the whole time to buy yourself some space, fine. But at least actually aim for the head. Yeah, it's not like he's a bad shot because he's able to shoot the rope when Jane gets caught by the leg. Yeah, he shoots. He shoots the the guy who runs out during the heist square in the heart. That is... As he's moving away in a speeding vehicle. And as a bunch of other monsters are, like, trying to rip him apart limb from limb. Yeah. He's a good shot, yet he doesn't even aim for the head, having known full well that this man's going to wear body armor. I don't I don't know what the logic behind it from a character standpoint, but from a movie-making standpoint, in a PG-13 movie, no one's getting shot in the head. Of course not. Of course not. I never said it, was, it had to work, because you still need that big final fight... Yeah hand-to-hand fight, right? That's oh, yeah. what needs to happen. This is very anticlimactic if he just shoots him on an Aris planet. And yeah, and... <laughs> in or the, no, I mean, in the even, tea house and it just leaves. Or no, no, or I mean, even at the end, like, even if he, he shoots him in the head at the oh, end, yeah. right? Like, even then, like, okay, good, he's shot, shot in the face, now he can just climb across and get it done. No, you, you need that hand-to-hand combat at the end. I think maybe... Okay, I'm gonna justify maybe the second time he shoots him in the chest to kind of, like, incapacitate him a little bit, yeah. Like you know that that'll knock him back, and that's exactly it, right? Yeah. He knocks him back, and then he takes a couple more shots, and the operative like retreats behind like a bunch of tanks to like get cover, and he says, "Well, that's not Plan A." Holds the gun and tries to climb across. Yeah. But it's just weird to me that he didn't at least attempt to shoot at least in a spot that would be exposed, so as to make his life a little bit easier. Again, I, it's it's yeah. fine. It's such a stupid little thing. But for me, I'm like, well, learn from your mistakes, bud. Come on. 
Was that your least favorite part, or do you have a least favorite part? I don't have a least favorite part in this movie. Okay. I, honest, I, I think honest, I know what you're giving this movie. Yes. I, honest to God, I don't have a least favorite part. The closest thing to that is the conversation with Manti and Fingo. Okay. Only because only because we we start with a cool heist, we get to I the... I guess Fanti and Mingo. Fanti and Mingo, that's what I say. Mindy and Fanto or something? Yeah. Yeah. Fanti and Mingo, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's not... It's not Finty and Mango. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's what you said either. But I don't know what I said, but, but it wasn't funny right. way to say it. Yeah. Whatever I said, I don't think it was right. Panty's prettier. Only because the that conversation has no real weight going forward. Yeah, no, it just takes them out of the room so River can freak out and... And it, well, it puts them in the room... It puts also puts them in the room so they can see River freak out. True. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just a weird... For a movie that, you know, he gets a lot accomplished in less than two hours, but, you know, it's pretty condensed on time. He wasted a few minutes about a, a deal where they're getting a, people giving you the job are getting a larger cut than what you initially anticipated. Seems, uh, seems, um, it's the inconsequential. Seedy, it's the seedy underbelly of the... Yeah, and I get that they wanted to show it, but... Too hot, yeah, no, I get I guess it. in the grand scheme of this movie... <laughs> about 30 seconds later it becomes completely inconsequential it sure does so that's why I, it just doesn't do it for me and then they did although I will say that those twins were just fans of Firefly I think I remember hearing that somewhere yeah so, they yep. they were act, they are actors but they just happened to be fans of Firefly this was their passion project yeah they just were like hey can we please be, be in, in this movie? movie and that's what they end up being so for that you know cool yeah, well played, guys. Good job. What's your least favorite? I mean, my least favorite is for sure Wash Dying, but that's just for personal reasons. Okay. Because it's well done, but I guess if I had to pick a, a grape of this movie, it's really small. It's the Mr. Universe leaving a motion detector message. Like that's Oh, just yeah. Because it's so broad and easily found by anyone who's not Mal. With this, the hu- I mean, I get that he's dying, so he had limited amount of time. I'm willing to write it off to that, but the amount of tech and expertise this man has, I'm sure he could code it to, like, only Mal being able to trigger it. That's kind of, I kind of thought that, too, this time around. I was like, that's weird. I, I never really thought about it till this time around, but it was like, he makes a message, assuming... That Mal will be the one who finds it. That Mal's the first one to walk into the seat, that walks into the room? Like, it's a big assumption there. Bold, bold move, Mr. Universe. Yeah, bold move there, guy. Let's see if it works out for him. It, it kind of did. Yeah. It did and it didn't. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Like, the operative may not have even made it down there before the message gets related if it was just for Mal. Yeah. If, if somehow the sex bot could see Mal and be like, oh, this is the guy that gets it. Yeah, if, if the sex bot could differentiate between humans at all, between meat bags at all. Yeah, right? Or if Mal was a little bit faster getting downstairs and yeah, getting over to that... And didn't waste so much time taking his jacket off to be like, and make a snarky comment, hard to get to, well, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, I do enjoy that. Yeah, of course. We all thought it, he said it. Yeah. Alright, so favorite scene. Fuck. Alright. Go first. I, okay, I figured. I was about to say, I can go first if you need time. Please do. I mean, my first, my favorite scene is the first Mal and Operative fight at the, the training house. That's such a good fight. It's really cool. It's got... We learn just how... I mean, I guess we learn in the beginning of the movie just how well-versed and committed and smart the operative is. But it just only serves to reinforce it. And he 
he has the back and forth with Mal. He's like, if I if I offered you money, you'd take the high road. And you'd, put, you'd, you'd claim umbrage. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's I told you to do the right thing. You play the brigand. It's great banter followed by a great fight, and then. Well, I think the best part about that particular piece of banter is that it's not banter at all. Like, Mal wants to banter with him to like buy time to figure out what his next move is, and the guy just shuts that shit down immediately. He's like, no, 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 fuck this. Not time for this shit. Give me the girl. Are you going to give it to me or not? Come on. He doesn't fall for the classic bad guy blunders. Except the incense. Except the incense. Uh, I think that... Figure one out? Huh? Did you figure one out? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say once they leave Miranda. Between when they leave Miranda and when they land is probably my favorite part. Them tricking the Reaver the Reaver Horde to follow them. Into the Alliance Armada. Yeah, that's Into the good. Alliance Armada. You get awesome, awesome flight stuff. Um, and then a very, very close second is the actual final fight between the Operative and Mal. That's a good one, too. Um, specifically because he's been... The Operative as... I think we only actually see it once, come to think of it. He has this it, cool, it, weird little move where he, like, we, hits a nerve cluster under the ribs that, like, paralyzes you and you just fall... He always puts the sword down, you fall on the sword. Yeah, he's one for two. He tried it on two people, and it worked on one. Yeah. Well, it would, he's probably done it millions of times, or hundreds oh, yeah, of times. Yeah, we off-camera. Off-camera. Inconsequential. But, yes. And then you see it happen, and your heart sinks. Right? Because you just saw Wash die. And now you see the move that seems like it's unbeatable. But then we get to see Mal's hand twitch. Yep, and he continues to keep his face... He keeps the face, because he's got a good poker face. And then he does it. He, like, breaks out of it, punches the dude in the throat so he can't speak, paralyzes him a little bit. Yeah, that was a... Does his own little, like, here, I'll show you, I'll show you, uh, can't leave move. Then he tucks him in with his sword, which is pretty brilliant. Yep, tucks him in with his sword. Tucks him around the pole. Yep. And, again, he's got a... He's got... Just this little bantery line, like that. Bat, like he he pulls out a war story right there. Talks about how like shrapnel like ripped that nerve cluster up. So <laughs> had it moved, I don't think you. I don't think that's how nerve clusters work. I don't think so. I I, I was weird. <laughs> I was weirded out by that uh, that use of language myself. Uh, and then he's like, I know you want to say your. You'd love to say your last words, but you know, sorry, I'm not going to kill you. Like it's just so good. Um, so those two pieces. You know, it, every time I watch it, it's, it, you could coin flip it. It's one of those two. Fair enough. Both good choices. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's our coverage of Serenity. So what we do now, if you're no stranger to the show, is we rate every movie that we've reviewed with Infinity Stones from 1 to 6. And if you give a movie 6 stones, you can also include the Infinity Gauntlet, which is the highest possible score. And we're going to let you know what our scores are for Serenity. And do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Although I'm not completely in love with this movie, as I'm sure many people are, I am a big fan of Firefly. I think this is a very well-done sci-fi movie. There are a couple questionable things that just have to do with basically runtime and the fact that a lot of characters don't have a lot to do, but I think it's very good. I'm going to say it again because it bears repeating. Chiwetel Ejiofor... Is so good in this movie. I knew everyone else was going to be good because I've seen them in Firefly. But he is so good. I'm almost tempted to give this movie an extra stone because of his super good performance. But I'm going to give this movie five stones. And I still highly would recommend that anyone who hasn't seen it 
Check it out on Netflix. Corey, your time has come. My time has come. This... Two stones. Playing it close to me. Playing <laughs> so close. close. So, no, this... You know, I can't speak highly enough about this universe that Joss Whedon created that we didn't get to see enough of. But this punctuation mark that is Serenity is as close to perfect as we're going to get for something that ended way too soon. The bad guy, the villains that we get in this movie... The operative is just so unbelievably incredible that he almost steals the show right out from Nathan Fillion. And Nathan Fillion does a hell of a performance. I've seen a lot of other things that Nathan Fillion has done because I became such a big fan of him from this. This is the role he was born to play, in my opinion. I, I this is he. I look at him in Castle. I look at him in. I've never actually watched The Rookie, but I've seen the previews for, like, the commercials for The Rookie. Um, What's The Rookie? He plays a rookie cop. He plays a 40 year old rookie okay. cop. I think, I think I actually looked up his IMDb for this. I saw The Rookie, and I said out loud to no one, what the hell's The Rookie? Yeah, no, it's, it's, <laughs> I don't think the show's going to last very long. Um, but yeah, a hell of a run on Castle. Uh, it doesn't matter. Those He was good in those... I'm sure he's fine in Rookie, but it, this was the role he was born to play, and it got ripped from him way too soon. I have such a hard time finding any part of this movie that I don't enjoy. God knows how many watches in. I, and I'll probably watch it a few more times before it leaves Netflix. I think it's been on there for a long time. No, they took it off. They just put it back on. Uh, maybe it was Firefly was on there for Firefly a long time. Firefly and Serenity were both on there for a long time. Is Firefly still on there? No, they ripped both of them down for a while. Uh, and then a couple months ago, Serenity popped back up. I got very excited when they did. Because nobody wants to pop in DVDs anymore. I'm going to have to if I want to watch Firefly. Yeah, it's energy. This movie gets six stones in the gauntlet for me. And the gauntlet the gauntlet is a personal gauntlet. It, I had a feeling. Yeah, it, it's not because I think it's the greatest movie ever or anything like that. It's personal. That gauntlet is complete personal feeling. I think that the movie is worth six stones. Uh, but the gauntlet, it, 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 that's that's for me. I fucking love everything that has to do with Firefly, and I probably will till the day I die. I'm not going to argue with you. Fair enough. Because why would I? It's great. So thanks for listening to us talk about Serenity. At nauseam, I would even venture to say. Yep. Serenity plus Firefly. So if you want to let us know your thoughts on Serenity or Firefly or anything else, really, send us an email zthpodcast at gmail.com Boom! You can also go to Twitter where I went right after I got done watching this today and posted my favorite quote from Firefly or from Serenity the movie. He sure did. It's the last quote. I didn't get to talk about it but I don't want to waste any more time. We're at uh, we're on Twitter at zthpodcast if you have a scale model of Serenity please take a picture of it and send it to us at zthpodcast on Instagram. And if you're still one of those people who believes in Facebook and still likes to wish people a happy birthday, instead of doing that, head on over to our page, facebook.com slash zthpodcast, or search Zero's Talking Heroes in the search bar, and iTunes and podcast apps are the place that you probably get this show from if it's not the website. And if you'd be so kind as to give us a five-star rating on there and let us know, let us and the internet know, that you're enjoying the show. That would be great. And if you want to leave a review with that, we will read it on an episode of the show, just like you're hanging out with us. And if you can't be bothered to do that, if it's not enough payment and credits 
I think it's credits they use in this It is movie. credits in yeah. this, yeah. I almost said Imperial credits. I'm like, that's wrong. Just tell people about the show. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. That's how the Serenity movie got made. It is. Enough people wanted it. They made a big enough stink about it. So go make a big stink about Zero's Talking Heroes. Only positive things, though. Thanks for joining us here, and next time we're going to be doing the movie Glass, which is coming out on Friday. By the time you hear this, Glass is already in theaters, and you may have already seen it. We've already seen it. Definitely. Yeah, so there's not much else to do, but wrap things up and let you know that every movie out there is someone's favorite movie. Serenity could possibly be Corey's. It's definitely up there. <laughs> it, it It's on the island with me. Yeah? It's on the island with me. Okay. It's on the island with me. Good to know. Take care, everyone, and we will see you next time. Shiny, let's be bad guys. Go around.